This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thank you for listening on this Thursday morning. Coming up a little bit later on the program, we'll have Stephen McRoberts on. He's the head volleyball coach at Ole Miss. They just completed their season with the National Invitational Volleyball Championship Tournament trophy, uh, national postseason tournament that they uh, won. So uh, good for them and uh, finishing their season that way. We'll talk to him a little bit later on in the show. We'll talk about uh, a lot of what is going on uh, throughout the state of Mississippi, there's now football is over, yes, but there's still a lot going on. We have basketball going full swing now uh, for men and women, and there's a lot of high school sports still going on right now, so there's plenty still to talk about. But today we will start the show with Brock Turnipseed, is with Mississippi State University's athletic department. We're going to talk about the the super fast start for their men's and women's basketball teams and uh, had a big game last night uh, that turned out well for the maroon and white. Brock, good morning, and thank you for your time. How are you? Good morning, Jay. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to talk with you again. Um, man, last night, the, the women hosted another big game against a – it's always fun to take on a, a, a powerhouse team from another region because uh, it's a team that you don't necessarily run in the same circles with a lot. So you kind of get to – uh, you get a watermark for how good you really are, even though I mean, Mississippi State played for the national championship last season. But tell me a little bit about the atmosphere at the Humphrey Coliseum last night when Mississippi State hosted Oregon, who was a top-10 team. Oh, absolutely. It was a great atmosphere. You know, Oregon came in number nine in the country, and uh, you know, I was really proud of our fans. Uh, you know, 5,400 fans in attendance last night, and they really were, were into the game and, and loving every minute of it. And, you know, one of the great things about it was, you know, to have 5,400 fans when um, your know, school is out on campus and also you have, for you know, all kids pretty much at all the schools around locally the uh, last week of, uh, of before Christmas break and, you know, you have, you know, exams going on with them. So to have 5,400 last night I thought it was a great atmosphere and they play such a tremendous part you know, in, in a win like that against a very, very good Oregon team. And, you know, a lot of people don't know a lot about Oregon, but, I mean, they're number nine in the country, Jay, and they returned everybody from their team from a year ago that went to the Elite Eight and lost to UConn. Yeah. Uh, and we know what ha- ended up happening <laughs> in the Final Four with that one. But, um, you know, they're a tremendous, tremendous basketball team. They're well coached. They have um, – you know, a couple of the best players in the country. You know, fans at that game last night, you know, got to see Mississippi State has three players in Victoria Vivians, Morgan William and Tierra McCowan that are on national watch list. Oregon, on the other hand, they have two or three players on their team that are also on this national watch list. So that just tells you how good both of those teams were. It was a great basketball game in a great environment last night. And Mississippi State won that game uh, double figures, 90-79. to It kind of cruised down the stretch. The score was uh, worse than that for the Ducks uh, at certain points in that game. But uh, going back to your point about 5,400, I mean, it's a Wednesday night also. So that kind of cuts down on maybe some of the traffic that you might get uh, onto the campus from outside of the, the, the immediate general area. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, and then also, I mean, Wednesday night, that's a big church night in Mississippi. So 5,400 uh, at the hump last night, that's a big deal. Tell me about in these last, two, well, I don't want to say the last two years, um, but but since you know the the new coaching staff has come in, um, they've really changed the atmosphere of women's basketball. And now the, the the crowds that you get at Mississippi State are something to behold. It is really uh, something that 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 people are in awe of at MSU. Absolutely, you know, Coach Schaefer. Um, you know, one of the first things that he, that he did when he when he came to Mississippi State was, you know, he wanted to get the best assistant coaches he could, and uh, you know, one of the ones that came with him was Johnny Harris, our associate head coach, who has been with him now every year here and was previously with him at Texas A&M. You know, they sat together on the bench under Gary Blair for for many years, and. Um, you know, then surround himself with some great assistants. You have Deanna Jackson Durrett, who was an All-American at Oklahoma, uh, a tremendous, tremendous point guard, uh, and she has really been great in, in growing. Um, Morgan William and Jasmine Holmes are point guards, and also Maya Taylor, uh, freshman from Olive Branch, who hasn't played this year, possibly going to redshirt, uh, which is a good problem to have when the yeah. best player in the state, a five-star player, is going to redshirt for you. That's always a great problem to have. Um, and, and going back to Coach Harris, you know, Coach Harris, you look at what she did first when she came here she inherited a player like Martha Allwall and, and made her the first player in, in or the third player in SEC history to have a thousand points a thousand rebounds and 500 career blocks um, and then now look what she did with Tierra McCowan right now and Tierra McCowan one of the best players in the country right now in the post um, and then you also have a great player in Carly Tebow Dudonis uh, she is a great assistant coach who has um, you know, her dad is the head coach of the Washington Mystics uh, in the WNBA, and she has a great knack for recruiting and has really been a tremendous asset to our guards. You look at our, our shooting on the perimeter, and it has really grown, and she's been a big key component on that. So that was one of the things that he wanted to put together was, was his A-team of, of coaches, and that's what he's done. And then, it, you know, it, it came into recruiting uh, the players that, that fit his system. You know, Coach Schaefer is one of these that tells you he's not going to sit in a 2-3 zone. You know, and I think that's what fans have taken to is they they like that this team comes out, they play full-court pressure defense, they really get after you in man-to-man defense, they play aggressive, they're exciting to watch. Uh, and I think that is really what is, has really helped pick up the fan base. And the fact, too, Jay, I think one thing that that is lost that sometimes is lost. This team is very accessible to fans. Uh, the fans, you know, after wins, they always stay out and greet the fans. And there's no telling; they probably sign the same autographs over and over and over <laughs> after every game. They're always taking pictures. They are so good with fans, and our fans connect with that because they have access to them. Well, Victoria Vivians really, was voted uh, homecoming queen, correct, for the school, the whole university? Absolutely, with, with over 60% of the vote. I mean, you got to know how to work the system, so, man. you yeah. you got to know how to, how to talk to people to, to win homecoming queen. I, I, yeah, I told her, I said, probably the only person that may have beaten you if they ran was Morgan William. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and that's just the thing. They, they connect. You know, they get out there, and they're part of the student body, and, you know, they – they take the time with with children. They they take the time to to connect with the families, and that's that's really been a big uh, a big asset. That's part of the grassroots marketing effort that that we really wanted to do when when Coach Schaefer came here. Speaking of uh, Victoria Vivian's greatest high school basketball player um, in in the history of the state of Mississippi, 
one of the top two or three scoring wise um, in in the history of, of of girls high school basketball in our country, depending on whether or not you allow varsity points from seventh and eighth graders, <laughs> which right. is, a, I guess, a good problem for her. Uh, but she was um, she was such a sought after commodity, not just here in Mississippi, but nationally. Um, and the fact that she stayed at Mississippi State, but you look at what has happened, uh, the big shot last year. I mean, this game last night, uh, the star was uh, McCowan, you mentioned earlier, 35-19, and 19, even though Vivian scored 30. H- how, has it been, how has it been having this the all-world player, but at the same time, Coach Schaefer has been able to bring in other players and mesh this team together and get contributions from everybody, and it's not such a one-sided thing. Yeah, I really think it's benefited Victoria in all in all actuality because you know in high school, I mean, she was constantly getting triple teamed, uh, you know, and still putting up you know thirty, forty, fifty, sixty points a night, you know. Yeah. So I mean, to have the cast of characters around her gives her more freedom, and and really now this season, what he's done is he's actually been starting Victoria at the four position, which. You know, sometimes it gives you a disadvantage on defense because you're going up against bigger players. Yeah. But on offense, it gives her a tremendous advantage, and it's really opened the floor for her. And, you know, you look at her senior season, I think the big difference now with her senior season is that she is really taking good shots. Um, she's letting the offense come to her. She's not settling and as a result, I mean, she's averaging 20 points a game, and right now she's shooting 54% from the field and 40% from three-point range and 84% from the free-throw line. Um, and that tells you a lot. But I think what a lot of people don't realize, too, though, is what a tremendous asset she's been defensively. You know, she's second on the team in steals, and she's also averaging almost six rebounds a game. And that's playing the four position against traditionally bigger players. Um, you know, to say she is off to probably the best start of her career, and it's just really shown the growth. And I think what people don't realize is Victoria is a competitor. She's going to get out there, and she's going to play, and she's going to compete. And she's also a great teammate. You know, there's a lot of times that she drives the, bu- the bucket, and when she could easily take the shot, she dishes or she makes that extra pass. And that's what she talks about, too, is, you know, now instead of – settling for a good shot, she's making that extra pass, and the team is getting a great shot. Um, and I think that just really shows her growth you know, and, and her maturity from high school. And it's benefited the team as well. It you know, gives them more options as well. And you know, now when you have Victoria Vivians, you have Blair Schaefer, you have Morgan William, you have Roshunda Johnson on the perimeter, I mean, you have four shooters out there, so it's hard – it's kind of like Tierra McCowan said last night. You have to pick what you're going to do. Are you going to double down on Tierra? Well, that opens up shooters. Or are you going to guard the shooters, and that's going to open up Tierra inside? So um, it's really a solid starting five for Mississippi State, and Victoria Vivians has really stepped up her game right now. I mean, she's off to the best start of her career, and as a result, I think she was a big factor. You know, you look at not only 30 points last night against Oregon – you know, she had 30 points against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and if we don't get that production from Victoria, then you know you don't win that game because you know Oklahoma State has a tremendous player, uh, Lauren Goodwin, 
who had 35 points in that game. So, you know, Victoria's contributions were huge because Oklahoma State decided to double and triple team Tierra and take her away. So that forced, you know, Victoria to really have to step up and it created opportunities for her. And it's interesting, uh, you mentioned uh, what Victoria Vivians was doing in high school, and it was like, it was interesting watching the growing pains for her through her freshman season because, yes, she was coming from a place where it was basically give her the ball and let her create. She was anything, everything, and the whole thing for her team for literally six years <laughs> in high school, starting all the way back you know, to when she was in middle school. And now she's in this situation where she's got to learn to be part of a bigger thing and you know, watching her learn, and like you talked about, how to take the right shot how to not have to shoot every time. I mean, when you've been doing that for six years, it's hard to unprogram that, but they've done a great job with that. Uh, before we take a break here, and I want to talk to you uh, in the next segment about the men's team. Okay. The, the state made the championship game last year and made a really good run at it. Of course, they, they the, the Morgan Williams shot that dethroned UConn and ended their long winning streak. That's you know the play of the year and, and, and everything like that, and that's going to be remembered for a long, long time. But... The people involved with this program have to pick up and move on and try to do the next thing. And the next thing is taking this team with many of the same pieces, minus some people who were experienced leaders on that team, and trying right. to to get back to not replicate, but get back to the place where they were just last year. How how what's it been like watching that process? Seeing them start off like they have is 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 really good. You talked about the coaching staff that certainly helps. But talk to us about watching this process from the end of last season into where we are this year. Yeah, you know, I, you know, it's it's hard to get away from what happened last year. Um, you know, obviously, you know, winning an SB for the best upset, and you know, people constantly talking about it. You know, I've watched UConn several times on TV already, and every time <laughs> that game is mentioned, uh, which is great for Mississippi State, you know, it, but it's hard, it is hard to get away from it. And I think, you know, this team has done a really good job of that, you know, the, and I think it's something that Coach Schaefer told the fans in the banner raising that, you know, we've raised this banner to the rafters. Last year is over. Now it's time to focus on this year. You know, and I think that's kind of the approach that they've taken. You know, you look at Morgan William, and, and you know, she, uh, you know, her, her life was completely changed by what's obviously one of the biggest shots, not just in women's basketball history, but all of college sports history. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a shot that I, I tell people one day is going to be a Jeopardy question. Yeah. But, um, you know, you look at, at her humbleness and her approach to it that, you know, she's now, she's she tells everybody, she's like, I'm, I'm past it. I don't watch it anymore. I'm focused on, you know, this season and making it the best that, that it can be. And I think that's where this team has to, to learn. And these seniors are learning to, to step up and be leaders, um, you know, because you lost such a tremendous aspect of leadership and, a Dominique Dillingham, a Chinway Akori, a Katera Chaplin, a Brianna Richardson, who won 111 games in their career. You know, and I think the senior class knows that they have something special. And Jay, you know, I know we, you know, you talk about the Final Four all the time. It is so hard to make that kind of run year in and year out. Uh, you know, it, it's such a a difficult, grueling schedule, especially when you play the SEC schedule that you play. It prepares you. There's no doubt about that, and that's what you know. Folks have to realize this: this team 
is a lot different. I, I kind of compare um, Oregon, the Oregon team we played last night. You know, we kind of compare to our situation, where after the Sweet 16 in 2015-16, we had all of our pieces back in place, and you know, Oregon was much in the same way. You know, after getting to the Elite Eight last year with all of their pieces back in place. And you just have to build on it, and that's one thing Coach Schaefer has, has talked about, and that was one of his blueprints was not building a top-10 team but building a top-10 program. Um, and you look at it, I mean, you've, we've been in the Associated Press Top 25 poll now for over 60 straight weeks. Wow. Um, which is something tremendous. Um, you know, and it's opened a lot of doors that now you can get into that previously you might not have been able to get into, and that's a, a great opportunity for – you know, this program to keep going forward. But, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, hard to make that run again. But, you know, this team is definitely capable of doing it. Um, you know, I know people talk about the lack, lack of depth, but you look at other teams that have done it. And I think UConn's a prime example. A lot last year they played six, seven players. So it, it's it's doable. You know, there, there's no doubt about it. And I think, you know, with this starting five is really solid and it gives the opportunity now to for your younger players to learn and to get better and to you know get some minutes under their belt to be ready for when that stretch time comes the bulldogs will be back on the floor again sunday two o'clock start against the main black bears uh that'll be some culture shock for those ladies and then uh, maybe some culture shock for the uh, bulldogs next week going to vegas uh, to take on UNLV and Syracuse in the duel in the deserts. So that's the next couple of games coming up for the Mississippi State women's team. Uh, we'll take a break here. We come back. We'll speak with Brock for a couple minutes about the men's basketball team, Ben Howland, in his third season. That's usually when his teams have escalated at all of his stops. And uh, the Bulldogs are off to an 8 and one start. We'll talk with Brock about what to expect maybe from the men's team as they head toward the holidays and into the conference schedule. I'm Jay White with producer Liz Gill. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening on this Thursday morning. Uh, we have Brock Turnipseed with Mississippi State's Athletic Department on the phone with us. Just got through talking about the women's basketball team, top 10 team with a top 10 win from last night at home over Oregon, 90-79. to 79. If you missed that conversation, and it's a good one, uh, you can always catch uh, this show on our website, mpbonline.org. And you could subscribe to the MPB Season Pass podcast. Uh, and uh, that'll be delivered for free to your uh, iPhone or Android device, however you would like to have it there. So we certainly would appreciate that. Um, Brock, um, appreciate you uh, staying through with us for a couple more minutes here to talk about the men's team. 
And uh, this is an interesting, an inter- interesting season for the men's team. Ben Hallen, uh, big name coach, great get for Mississippi State's athletic department. He's had success everywhere he's been. And uh, he comes to Mississippi State. This is his third season. That's, tr- that's traditionally, and I know you've probably heard this until it's beating a dead horse, but this is typically when his teams take off. Mississippi State is off to an 8-1 and one start, but it's still a work in progress. Tell me a little bit, if you, give me a little bit of an overview for Mississippi State's men's team this year. Yeah, you know, it definitely, you're right, you know, this is traditionally when, when his teams are taking off and they're off to a great start, um, it, you know, really um, had a couple of good wins uh, against Green Bay and, uh, you know, a good Dayton team. The, you know, I haven't a chance to really watch that game. I thought Dayton was very athletic and they were long. You know, Mississippi State, you know, had a big lead and found a way to, you know, to, to end up holding them off in that ball game. Um, you know, and I thought really there were some positives to take away from, uh, you know, the game against Cincinnati. And, Jay, I, you know, Cincinnati is a really, really good team. Yeah. They are long. They are athletic. Um, you know, and, and that was a tough matchup. You know, Mississippi State still trying to develop that size inside. I think, you know, really you look at, at how well um, – but, you know, the big benefits, you know, the big one to me is Tyson Carter. I think he's really been playing well. You know, you know what you're getting with, with Q Weatherspoon. You're getting a solid veteran player, and he's playing like it, averaging 13 points a game. But Tyson Carter has really come on, leading the team in scoring just over 13 points per, per contest, uh, but really shooting it well, almost 50% from the field, 37% from three, um, and 89% from the line. And I think that's a tremendous, um, tremendous – weapon to have out on the perimeter, somebody who can knock down shots like that. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, Eric Holman has really stepped his game up, um, you know, averaging almost eight rebounds a game to go with almost 12 points a contest. And, you know, Nick Weatherspoon, Q's brother, is really starting to grow as a player and get used to the college game. And you can see how how good he is going to be as a player. I think the future is really really bright there tell me if you can about uh in a, the relationship between you mentioned quindary and nick weatherspoon who are brothers a couple of years apart uh from uh, velma jackson which is uh, camden canton area in uh, madison county in central mississippi that team's won i don't know like 17 or 18 straight state championships i know it's not that many but it seems like it anyway and th- these weatherspoons have fueled much of that uh, championship run for that school. Now, Quindary comes in. He is not the most highly touted of, in, of that incoming freshman class. And where others struggled to adapt, he took to the college game like a duck to water. And now Nick comes in and he's done almost the same thing immediately. Tell me a little bit about uh, the makeup of those guys and, and the fact that they have each other maybe to lean on as, as teammates and, uh, and as, as college uh, two guys together in college away from home. Yeah, you know, I think you you like the chemistry there. I mean, it's a natural chemistry, and I think that a lot of times when, when you have a freshman coming in, it takes time to develop that chemistry with players, and I think that, that helps tremendously. You know, it helps for, for Nick to have Q, who is a veteran, who has been through the wars on the college level, and, and you know, for Nick, you know, what I like about Nick is he is – He's gritty. He gets after it. You know, he plays hard. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I like is as a freshman, he's not afraid to take a charge. Yeah. Uh, you know, he'll get in there and take a charge, and I like that. And he's athletic as well. And, you know, he really, 
you know, is a weapon for you on the offensive end of the floor. Um, so you having those two that, that work well together. And, you know, you see the rapport that they, they've developed. You know, you have Tyson, whose dad, Greg Carter, played at Mississippi State, is now the head coach of Starville High School. Um, you know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of connections there, you know, um, that I think those those three have kind of known each other and know, know how they play. So it's been a, a really, you know, I think that that helps your chemistry tremendously. So one of the things I think that's an issue for this men's team this year is the fact that their their pre-conference schedule, uh, the opponents that they've lined up, it's not necessarily lining up like they'd want it to. And this is what hurts uh, teams when, when it comes to March and you're trying to get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. But I, 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 if, if you're close to this at all, and I imagine you have some insight to it, how difficult is it to set up your non-conference schedule? I know it's an inexact science, and you could probably you probably get as many different answers as people you ask about how to go, how to approach setting up your non-conference schedule. How difficult is that, and, and how do you think Mississippi State is approaching that? It is, you know, you you want a schedule that that you know you can, you know, have some games where you can really get some guys minutes, and you can develop, especially guys that haven't played, you know. Uh, at, tremendous amount um but you also and, and i think a lot of people get lost on that but you know the men's rpi is not that bad um you know the rpi is 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 in the top 50 in the country um you know and you just coming off a road game at cincinnati win or lose that game that helps you with the rpi you get extra points for playing a team especially a ranked team like cincinnati on the road yeah uh you know green bay is traditionally a very very tough mid-major. Stephen F. Austin is a team that is consistently in the NCAA tournament winning their conference. Uh, you know, Dayton is a tremendous program as well. So, you know, you have those, and it's it's kind of a mix that, you know, you, you try to mix those those games in. You, you want some of those games, and then you want some of those, but you also have to, to take into account, are, are people willing to come to Starville? Uh, you know, and a lot of people, it's hard to get teams to play in Starville. I think both the men's and women's teams figure that out because it's a tough place to play. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's really um, a testament to the Mississippi State fans and as a testament to, to what the atmosphere that we've created here at the Hump. Brock, man, thank you so much for your time today and talking to us about the men's and women's teams at Mississippi State. All the best uh, to you and the team the rest of the season. Are you getting to go to Las Vegas? I will be in Las Vegas. I sure will. <laughs> will you get a chance to not work for a little while there? Uh, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, I, hey, I don't want to put your business on. Yeah, I don't want to put your business on Front Street. I, I'll take that that question totally back, man. Thank you so much for your time again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me on Hell State. Absolutely, Brock Turnip Seed, Mississippi State Athletic Department, part of the sports information team there, talking to us about the the Bulldogs ten and zero on the season on the on the women's side. Up in the top ten, the men's team is 8-1 and one on the season, doing well also. All right, when we come back, Stephen McRoberts is going to be on the phone with us. He is the volleyball coach at Ole Miss. They just completed their season with a victory in the National Invitational Volleyball Tournament. They got a championship trophy to end the season in a national tournament. So we're going to talk to him about that. Great feat coming up. This is Season Pass. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening on this Thursday morning. Uh, Coming up next, we have Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. That's coming up at 11. But right now we have the Ole Miss volleyball coach, Stephen McRoberts. He's coming to us live from the Final Four tournament in Kansas City. But his team, the Rebels, just won the NIVC National Championship Tournament. Coach, uh, thank you for your time this morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, first off, I see um, that your, your your career record is 535 and 198. That's optimal. Uh, 730 winning percentage. Tell me about um, um, how you came about landing at Ole Miss and leading this volleyball program. Well, I just uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I think uh, <clears throat> I think just by the grace of God, for sure. Um, it's just, uh, such a great place. And, uh, when I went and interviewed uh, four years ago, I just saw, uh, such a great opportunity, a great place to raise a family. Uh, I'm originally from Arkansas, Little Rock area. And my wife's family is from the Nashville, Tennessee area. So Oxford, Mississippi puts us almost exactly in the middle of that. And, uh, I'm approaching 50 years old here in a couple of years and I have three wonderful kids ages 12 10 and 4 and uh, it was just uh, <clears throat> something that we were looking for as a family is to to land at a spot where we could uh, number one raise our kids in a, in a, a great town um, you know and of course I was looking to work at a great university but also just that proximity for family was um, was a number one priority for us and we're blessed that we uh, landed at Ole Miss for sure. Let me uh, let me ask you about uh, the SEC in volleyball. Uh, what what is what is that landscape like? How difficult is it, and how does it kind of rate on the on the national scene? It's improving immensely. Uh, this year, uh, Kentucky and Florida were definitely the cream of the crop, and Florida's here in Kansas City playing in the Final Four. Uh, I believe they've still, uh, I think they've only lost one match, and it was to Kentucky during the season. They came in as the number two seed, and then Kentucky was the number four overall seed in the tournament. So uh, both those programs are very, very good. And then if you look from about three to 12 in the conference, it was almost like on any given day, teams were beating up on each other. And, um, there's been a lot of changes in the landscape, um, coaching wise and SEC, um, just like in every other sport, invest a lot of money and resources into these programs. And we're starting to see it, it, um, produce a lot better teams. Uh, definitely over the four years that I've been in it, I, I think, uh, the level of play has uh, come up a lot. Now, I know the uh, the relationship between uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State and other sports has been uh, one of tumult, you might say, uh, right. over the last couple of years. I see you won six of seven sets and sweeping two from Mississippi State this year. I mean, how, how big of a deal is that for your players and your team and the, and the parents and, and the athletic department? Well, when, you know, I didn't grow up in Mississippi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And um, you quickly learn when you take a job at either university that, that that's a pretty big rivalry. And 
uh, David McFatrich, who was the coach at Mississippi State, um, is a very, very good friend of mine. In fact, he and I worked together at University of Central Arkansas. I was the head coach there. He was assistant. And we've been friends for 20 years. And so before he took that job, I told him, you know, this is going to be tough. I'm still going to love you. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, the overall culture between the two schools is pretty rough. And we were able to maintain that friendship while he was there. Uh, but you're right, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for uh, both universities anytime one beats the other one. Uh, so, again, we were we were happy that we were able to get a, a couple of victories this year. How do you go – how do you approach recruiting? And I ask that because I know there is a volleyball culture to a certain extent on the, on the prep level in Mississippi, but I, I don't know – uh, how seriously it is taken uh, on a on a on a broad scale. I know in certain programs it certainly is to be sure, but ha- how how much does the the volleyball culture on the prep level in Mississippi help your program, or does it? Well, I will say this: it's getting better. Yeah, uh, Jenny Hazelwood, who was um, the head coach at Mississippi State, I believe, for six or seven years, is running a club down in the Jackson area, and she's got some really nice players. Um, they're getting trained well by somebody who knows what they're doing, which is very important. And, you know, growing up in Arkansas, coaching some in Arkansas, really one of the things that's kind of held our conference back in general is the Southeast. It hasn't been that strong in the sport of volleyball, and it's coming along. You're starting to see more players come out of Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas. We're starting to see it grow more in Tennessee as well. I mean, it's it's starting to happen, but it's just a little bit behind. A lot of times what happens is at the high school level, um, athletic programs will hire a, a basketball coach, assistant basketball coach, a softball coach, and say, hey, your second sport is volleyball. So it's not their primary sport. It's not their primary passion. And so – the kids don't get a lot of coaching in that. And so we're starting to see that there's more interest in the sport. So the co- so the uh, kids are starting to get a little bit better coaching, which they're going to need. It's not necessarily uh, about the kids. There's some great athletes in our state. Uh, and like I said, there's some good young players coming up. But um, kind of a, on a side note, there has never been a scholarship – Mississippi volleyball player in Ole Miss's 40-year volleyball history. And we hope that we can change that uh, by by growing the game in the the state. So, yeah. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) And and I was told that when I I came in. And uh, so we're we're, uh, even doing something as simple as we're going to start running some clinics for some younger kids in our area on Mondays and Wednesdays for a couple of hours each night. I've got a 10-year-old daughter, and I want her to enjoy the sport and start learning the sport. And so uh, selfishly, I'm doing that for her, and then we're doing it as a community <laughs> outreach as well. So I think it's coming, but it, just like with anything, it's going to take some time. Stephen McRoberts is our guest. He's the Ole Miss volleyball coach. They just captured uh, – went on a, a – a, a six 
match winning streak to end the season. Five of those in the NIVC where they claimed the championship. Let me ask you about uh, you started at Lubbock Christian. I think you mentioned that earlier. In the finals of the NIVC, you beat Texas Tech out of Lubbock. That's uh, was there any irony there? Is there any connection to that program or, or back to your time at Lubbock Christian? I had uh, I had multiple friends uh, either shoot me a text or you know through social media or whatever. Uh, kind of use that that same word you said. Kind of it's kind of ironic. I <laughs> I interviewed at Texas Tech, <clears throat> not when the current coach did, but actually the one before him and was, I was a finalist for the job and, and didn't get the job. And so of course, a lot of people uh, in that area who were good friends of mine wanted me to get that job. And I wanted that job at the time. Um, but really I had moved on and I'm really happy that I'm at, at Ole Miss. Uh, but a lot of people brought it up afterwards <laughs> as well uh, Tony, who's there, he and I coached against each other. We were in a, uh, at Lubbock Christian. We were in AI. He was Division Two at West Texas. And then kind of ironic that we both moved uh, to, to places that played against each other at the Division One level in the Southland Conference. And then I moved on to Tulsa and came here. He went to Texas Tech from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. <clears throat> and then uh, we met again. So he's a, he's a very good friend of mine um, as well. So it's uh, kind of a small world, you know, in, in the volleyball world. But we uh, that was it was fun to, to play against them. Coach, your team was sixteen and fourteen at one point this season, about a month ago actually, and then you blitzed through these last six matchups, dropping only two sets in the process. I do see that all of these were at home. What is what what, what was it? Was there a light switch that flipped with your team and and then they got it all of a sudden or, or did they just get hot? Maybe were you dealing with some injuries? And then what about that uh, What about that home court? Obviously that means a lot uh, to the Rebels volleyball squad. Well, I'll start with that. I'll, Lynette Johnson, our senior women's administrator, um, you know, and Ross Bjork, our athletic director. I mean, it's a financial a commitment to host when you're in an NIT tournament and they were willing to, to do that and one thing we talked about as a team was that if we're going to get in this tournament we're going to win it I mean we're not going to just do this for fun Um, and we definitely didn't want to do it to be taxing on the players with dead week and finals week coming up and and then even at the end when they have nothing are they ready for break and they're just going to kind of not pay attention to the volleyball side of it because they're selfish with their own time. We never saw any of that, that we had buy-in. And, in fact, my speech at the – I told the team that my speech was going to be the same after the championship match, whether we won or lost, because from day one, which was August 8th, to the time we finished this week, it's – I can't think of a group – a better group I've had in 21 years of coaching than this group as far as bringing effort and great attitude every single day. And I know coaches throw that out there as generic statements, but I can truly <laughs> say that that I, I can't remember having a practice or a match where I'm having to get on to them about effort. And, and I told them that's a huge thing in this day and age. Uh, it says a lot about their character as a group, and it says a lot about their player leadership and um, – 
what a blessing. And we had a, a great season. If you looked at kind of through there, we had one stretch where we had eight matches in 20 days. And I think we might have went two and six during that and lost three times in the fifth set. <clears throat> and those losses could have been, if those would have been flipped the other way, uh, you and I might be talking about the NCAA tournament versus the NIT tournament. And uh, so we were really close, but it took a team that was willing to still stay engaged, still put that effort in. And being us being able to play at home, um, we did a about a $14 million renovation to our building over the last year, moved back into it in June. So wow. what a great way to end the first year of this brand-new facility by having a national championship in it uh, and winning. We had over 1,000 people there. It seats 1,100 or so. So, I mean, there was hardly a seat in the joint. And everybody stuck around uh, for the trophy presentation. It was just uh, uh, such a great way to end the year. I know, a full house, and then you get to hang a banner on top of that. But I'm looking at your roster of 15 players. I only see two seniors on this year's team. So tell me, not to put any carts before any horses or anything like that, but tell me what you think about this group going forward, if you've even had a chance to think about that yet. Uh, sure. I think, uh, gosh, coaches, the wheels are always turning. <laughs> and we That's one of the downfalls, I think, is we're always thinking about the next step. But, and, well, you know, currently staying where you're at. And, and I want to mention Lexi Thompson, Kate Gibson, our two seniors. Um, when you go into an NIT-type tournament, too, you have to have seniors that are bought in. And they're leaving with multiple um, uh, records in the Ole Miss volleyball record book. And uh, we're thankful we could send them out uh, the way we did. Being able to hug their necks on their last day um, and say, hey, you get to leave here as a champion. Uh, that's your legacy along with every, you know, all these other things. But that was just such a, uh, such the icing on, on the cake for them. And, and you're right. We have a lot of good young talent um, that just kind of grew up as the season went on and really saw that confidence just blossom in this National Invitational Tournament. And Emily Strout, who's a sophomore for us, you know, breaks the kills record, uh, which both of our seniors had either had or pursued in their four years, and she just crushed it. And she's just gotten better and better, and she'll be a cornerstone of our team moving forward. And, and we feel like over the next couple of years we've got a couple of really nice recruiting classes coming in that will add to uh, what we're building. Well, Coach, congratulations on the championship and the experience of having uh, that brand-new building that you have there on the campus filled up and getting to hang a banner there, sending your seniors off in style. And uh, I know a lot of folks have got to be uh, excited about the momentum that you have the program going forward. We appreciate you coming on. Well, I really appreciate you uh, having me. It's, uh, it's nice to promote our sport in the state. Absolutely. Stephen McRoberts, head volleyball coach, at Ole Miss champions of this year's volleyball NIT. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll uh, round out the show with some events coming up uh, throughout the state in the coming week or two. With Liz Gill, I'm Jay White. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Fun couple of conversations that we had today. Brock is well-versed in uh, what's going on with Mississippi State basketball. And it's it's really interesting. Not often do we have a team that sits in the top ten for an extended period of time. They're awesome. That's what we have with the women's basketball team at MSU right now. And... um, if you haven't had a chance to really plug into them or pay attention, if you're if you're just a, a fan in general, um, I mean that's that's a team to keep an eye on because I mean they they have the experience that has taken them all the way to the championship game uh, and just short of a national title. And uh, the team that they lost to South Carolina, they tussled with three or four times last season. They were all great finishes. So. There's nothing that says they can't win the national championship this year. They toppled the biggest giant in the room uh, with UConn, and so that's that's what was really that? Fun. What was that? Uh, UConn streak, 100 and, 102, I think. Uh, it might have been way more than I that. I thought it was like 111. It's I, I I should know that. I did at one point, but I'd forgotten. But um, all I know, it's over now. That's all I know. But uh, and then Ole Miss women, uh, winning the the women's volleyball NIT. That's a great story. Uh, but not until kind of you know researching for the interview a little bit that I realized that they were 16 and 14 at one point this season, and then won six straight matches to end the season. And in the women's NIT, they only lost one set. They won 3-0-3-0-3-0-3-1-3-0, if I'm not mistaken. Which is, I mean, evidently they found the right the right mix. They yeah, hit, some hit all the switches correctly, right? There motivation, the uh, <laughs> you know, really digging down deep inside you to. Uh, See what you're capable of. Yeah. And then really awesome to hear him talk about how they spent $14 million on their volleyball facility and they got to move back in there this year. And then the first season they end with a packed house uh, playing for that championship and then win it. And they get to raise the trophy in front of a, a packed house and they'll have a banner to hang in there next year. So that's that's a lot of that's that's really cool. Well, and I applaud his mission for. I don't want to say legitimizing the sport, but hopefully this will trickle down to some of the high schools where the high school can invest in the coaching so that uh, maybe some of these players can get scholarships. Absolutely. And that was also a kind of an eye-opening stat he talked about in the 40-plus year history of the scholarship volleyball program at Ole Miss that a scholarship had never been offered to a Mississippi-born player. That's pretty remarkable. And... Um, uh, he talks about how he, he hopes to be the first to be able to offer a Mississippi player. Uh, so it's very interesting. It's something I have to keep an eye on there. Um, some games coming up. Uh, first off, uh, two Mississippi teams are going to be playing in uh, college football bowl games coming up. Uh, Southern Miss is playing Florida State at the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. That's December 27th, 1.30 p.m. It'll be a game on ESPN. Um, Southern Miss is eight and four. Florida State is six and six. Uh, they, Florida State was a preseason top five team. They had a bunch of injuries early on, and their season kind of went sideways quickly. But 
Southern Miss, really good season, a big bounce back for Jay Hobson this year, 8-4 and four record. Florida State, as you may know, is led offensively by former Clinton running back Cam Akers, who uh, basically single-handedly helped Clinton beat Pearl for the 6A state championship last year. Uh, and now um, with a seven, I think I think I heard with a 70 rushing yard performance in that bowl game, we'll have a thousand yard season as a true freshman, uh, which is truly remarkable. Mississippi State will take on Louisville uh, in the Tax Slayer Bowl. That rolls right off the tongue. Tax Slayer Bowl. Uh, the Cardinal of Louisville are eight and four on the season. They feature. Um, Lamar Jackson, who was the Heisman Trophy winner last year. He was a finalist for the award again this year. But because he is so good and is going to be drafted to play into the NFL in April, it is likely that he will not play in this game, and I don't blame him at all. It's kind of like the Leonard Fournette thing from last year. This game means nothing for their national championship hopes. Uh, Whether they win or lose doesn't really change anything about his or their season, and so there's no reason to potentially get injured and ruin your future. Uh, for the Tax Slayer Bowl. Mississippi State is 8-4. and four. They're ranked 23rd in the country, so a win will land them in the final top 25 poll, which is a big deal. That game is December 30th at noon on ESPN from Everbank Field in Jacksonville, Florida. The Tax Slayer Bowl from Everbank Field. It's all about the students. Thanks, Liz, for setting all this up today. Great job as always. Dr. Jimmy Stewart is up next with Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We'll see you next Thursday at 10 for Season Pass. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.